If you're listening to this podcast, it means you're ready, no, more than ready, to have a major breakthrough in your restaurant. You're hungry for change and you're hungry for growth. That's why you're feeding your mind right now with all of this valuable information. But to drive those changes, you need to be really smart about what you're doing and to make the right choices before you take action. You need help from someone who's been there, someone to coach you through it, even just someone to help you look at your restaurant differently. That's what restaurant coaching is designed to do. Working with a professional coach will grow your business exponentially. Donald Burns, the restaurant coach, is offering a free one-on-one business strategy session for listeners of this podcast. That's right, a one-on-one session with the restaurant coach himself, a $500 value. It's completely free, no strings attached. Just go to therestaurantcoach.com to book your session today. Loading in Welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It's the cure for the common restaurant. Expert interviews, tools, and tips to get you the restaurant you know it can be. Now, here is your host, Donald Burns, the Restaurant Coach. And welcome to the Restaurant Coach Podcast. It is the cure for the common restaurant. So let's have a talk about habits. Now, I know with 100% certainty that your restaurant is a reflection of your habits. And I want to give you a front row seat to a call I did with my Restaurant Masterminds group as we dig really deep into how habits make and break restaurants, how to break those bad habits, and also how to install some new ones that's going to allow you to go from burnout to breaking free from your restaurant running you. If you want to talk about what coaching can do for you and your restaurant, Please just head over to my website, therestaurantcoach.com, and grab a free restaurant assessment. Now let's jump into the mastermind call. Monday mastermind call is all about education. We look at some stuff at a higher level, and a lot of times I'll base the Monday educational call based on what I see on your 515s, where I see you having problems. Remember, all business problems are people problems. If you have any people problems, there's a reason why you have people problems. It usually all stems from the 3P framework. So Monday is always our mastermind call educational session. Thursday is always our Q&A call. Remember, it's your time to ask questions, get answers, get unstuck. Really, it's uh, whatever you feel like you want to talk about. The Q&A calls have been lately have been really, really good because people have been like asking some really great questions. Uh, remember, there's no such thing as a bad question on the Q&A call, especially when everyone can learn. It's a great thing. Sometimes you have a question or a problem. And you will find that the question or problem you have is something someone else has some similar with. And so the Q&A calls are great. Also remember in your toolkit, you have resources as far as workshops that are specific to the mastermind process. But you also have the biggest probably toolkit you have is the replays. <clears throat> you have replays from 21, from 2021, 2022. And then you also have the replays from 2023. Great, great resources. Most of them are organized by category. You can go into the search bar and usually find stuff. If you ever get lost, just ask Liz. She knows where everything's at. I always say Liz knows where all the dead bodies are. So she knows where all the dead bodies are in the the members area. So you can always reach out to her. And remember, we always follow that 3P framework. We're talking about people, it's about strengths, about culture, about hiring. We talk about product, it's food costs, menu marketing, and then process, system, strategy, and profitability. The 3P framework is the most valuable tool you have in your arsenal. You should print out a copy and use it. And wherever you're stuck, remember you also have that three frames to thrive series. 
the three frames to thrive series, especially when I go down the rabbit hole in the 3P framework, I broke down specifically the people, the product and the process part. And I show you where you get stuck at. <clears throat> so if you ever, ever need just kind of a refresher, I highly recommend jumping in and going back into the 3P framework because that thing will, especially that three frames to thrive series, some really, really powerful tools in there. So your members area has a lot of stuff in there. Remember, try to stay kind of close to what you need. It's easy to get distracted, but focus on what you need. <clears throat> and the biggest thing you always want to remember is that the 3P framework always works in order. It's always people, product, and process. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about, I was looking again at a lot of the 515s that came in on Sunday. I get a lot of 515s on Monday. The biggest thing I see is a lot of people are still having problem with their mindset and their habits. Getting stuff done is the biggest thing I see. Hashtag write this down. Your restaurant is a reflection of your habits. Plain and simple. <clears throat> so here's my question to you. And this is, again, time to be brutally honest. What bad habits do you have? What bad habits do you have? Type in the chat. What are some of your bad habits? Do you procrastinate? Do you overschedule? Do you underschedule? Do you blow off stuff? Shutting down, Liz said. You know, there's no, I mean, your habits are your habits. The, the thing you have to do if you want to fix a habit, you have to identify what is the habit. You know, what is the habit? Trying to do it all myself. Oh, tiptoeing. Yeah. TikTok, TikTok can be a really bad habit too. Yeah, <clears throat> TikTok is a bad habit. Yeah, I I have to say, on the weekends, uh, Stacy and I tend to tend to binge some Netflix on Saturdays. So that's like been a bad habit lately for us. But I allow myself one day to kind of just relax with her and not really be plugged in because I do a lot of stuff on I work on Sunday. So that's not mm -hmm. a bad habit that I will argue is self care and relationship -care. care. I it actually is have relationship to... care. But when you when you binge like six hours of Netflix in a row, then I would say that might be bad. That's your but... business mind because you're spending that time with Stacy, right? Yeah, I know. That's I your time with Stacy, right? It is true. All right. Liz is right. I'm not going to coach my coach. I'm just saying. Coach a co hey, coach the coach. <laughs> Dina's like, tell him. <laughs> he was like, yeah, give it to him. Tell him. Yeah. All right. Procrastination, overanalyzing. Remember, to fix a habit, you have to realize you have the habit. Unfortunately, a lot of our habits, we don't really know we have those habits. Oh my God, Stephanie's now sending me a clip from Jay Shetty. Oh, great. Oh, great. Here we go. 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 All right. So, habits. One of my favorite books, and I think this should be mandatory. Everyone should read this book. It is Atomic Habits by James Clear. It is a fantastic book. If you don't like to read, you can actually, there's, it's available on Audible too. So there's no real, no real kind of way to get around it. If you don't like to read, listen to audiobook. But I highly recommend you put it on the top of your list this year, especially in this quarter, especially if we want to fix some habits. So Atomic Habits. I'm going to give you kind of a summary of Atomic Habits. Because there's a lot of things that you're doing when we deal with stuff like procrastination. We deal with stuff like working out. 
We deal with stuff like getting control of our calendar. There's reasons why we avoid stuff. And the reason why we avoid stuff is because of some things that we, there's actually a pattern that form habits. So there's three key lessons from Atomic Habits. <clears throat> and if I'm gonna give you like the Cliff Notes version, I do recommend that you listen to the whole thing, but if you want the Cliff Notes version, this, this module and then what we're talking about today is gonna help you out a lot. Lesson number one, small habits make a big difference. What's the one thing I preach all the time? 1% improvement, right? 1% improvement. It's so easy to overestimate the importance of one defining moment and underestimate the value of small improvements on a daily basis. Improving by 1% particularly is not notable. Sometimes it's not even noticeable, but it is far more meaningful and especially in the long run, especially when you think about your team. If you can get everyone on your team into the mindset of just improving 1% a day, think about how that compounds. If you've got 10 people on your team and, and you got at least eight people on the team bought into this 1% improvement mindset, you're going to 8x your productivity. If you've got like Vicky's got a big team, let's say Vicky gets 40 people committed to this 1% improvement. She's going to 40x her results. It's so, so powerful when we think about compounding and how we go from, you know, and especially this, this is where people kind of go crazy. When you're trying to do everything by yourself, and I know a lot of people mention this, I try to do everything by myself, or I try to do everything. When you try to do everything and don't share with your team, what you're doing is you're actually limiting your productivity. Because let's say in a typical week, you have 50 hours, right? Now, let's say you have 20 people on your team, and those 20 people work 40 hours a week, right? So you got 20 people on your team and they work 40 hours a week. That's 800 hours. Imagine you're working 50 hours, right? And you're focused on your stuff on your restaurant. Imagine if you could take a small percent of that 800 hours that you had and you could delegate some stuff to your team. Let's just say that you got an extra 100 hours out of your team. And that's just basically, I mean, 100 hours is not much, <clears throat> all right? That's 20 people, 100 hours divided by 20. That's five hours a week. If I could just get one person to spend, they work a five-hour work week, right? A five-day a five work week. If I get one person on my team to spend one hour a day doing something that moves my brand forward, I've just got that 100 hours. How much would an extra 100 hours a week help you? Plus the 50 that you're doing. It would really, I mean, it compounds. It changes the whole game for you. That's the power of compounding. That's the power of focusing on getting 1% better every day. You have to focus. You have to make a commitment right now that you're going to focus on getting 1% better every day and that you're going to share this kind of mindset with your team because it is a mindset. It is a constant, never-ending improvement. It goes back to that Kaizen we talk about in Japanese philosophy. 1% improvement. <clears throat> you want to make a commitment. I am committed. And, and the best thing you can do is write this stuff down. Remember, hashtag write this shit down. I am committed to 1% improvement every single day. Right. And if you really want to get your team on board, write out a kind of a declaration like we are committed to being one percent better every day. 
have it like on a piece of paper and have it like big, like almost like a poster and then bring it around to your team and everyone who's committed, have them sign it. Now, is everyone on your team going to commit? That's okay if they don't. But everyone who does commit, you want them to sign that thing in a marker. And this is the team that's dedicated to 1% improvement every single day. It will change your life when you get everyone on your team committed to 1% improvement. It will give you your life back because you're going to get more out of people. And I'm just talking, remember, I just said one hour a day. If I can get people to give me one hour a day, now you're going to, now a lot of people on your team says, I don't have an extra hour a day. Trust me. They do. They just don't have an hour as a total block, but they've got 10 minute blocks, 15 minute blocks. You've put together four 15-minute blocks, you got an hour. And they've got four 15-minute blocks throughout the day. There's times during the day they're not very productive. Biggest thing I will tell you is hashtag write this down is manage the minutes. Manage the minutes. Right? Lesson number two, forget about setting goals. Focus on your system instead. What do I say all the time? Don't rush the process, trust the process. And we have a process map. It's called the 3P framework. We always have a process. Focus on your systems. Don't focus on the goal. Goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the process that leads to those results. If I was starting a restaurant and I was in, you know, and I was starting from scratch from basically what I know about the 3P framework, the two things I would really focus on, I would focus on my people part the most. And then I would focus a little bit on the product part, especially my food costing. And then I would focus a little bit on my process part. So every time I'm doing that brain dump, I do it on a weekly basis and I'm organizing stuff into 3P framework. I got my people, my product, my process. The most productive restaurant owners do this. They pick two people part, one product, one process part. And that's what they work on every week. Two people, one product, one process. And they're always, always moving in that direction. Because what happens? Remember we talk about top line, bottom line management? When I focus everything on the top line and I don't pay attention to the bottom line, I bleed out. Same thing. If I focus everything on the bottom line, I'm not building the top line, and then sales start to stagnate. Same thing when you're working in the 3P framework. You just can't say, and remember on the 3P framework, on the 515, it says, what are you focused on? And it has you pick out the things you're focused on. Moving forward on that 515, you should say, I'm doing two people, one product, one process. And that's how you move everything forward. Now, here's the, here's the real trick. You don't have to be doing every part of that, but your team needs to be focused on two people, one product, one process. And you want to delegate who you want to take care of the stuff. Remember, sometimes you doing the stuff is not the best use of your time. I sent out a text message this morning that sometimes the biggest chokehold in a restaurant is the owner in the wrong position on the team. You know, you doing all this stuff, you know, like you doing your marketing, maybe you don't really like doing marketing and you know there's some people on your team that might be really, really good at it. Some younger kids that might get into doing reels and stuff like that. Now, if you love doing that stuff, keep doing it. You know, maybe you don't want to do the financial stuff. Maybe you got someone on your team who's really good at that stuff, okay? Maybe you don't like training. But maybe you got someone who's really, really patient and can do some start doing some training videos for you. Those training systems are going to get your life back. No, the biggest thing you want to focus on in that people part, two things you want to focus on. When I'm talking about, well, actually three things. I'm always working on my mindset. I'm always working on my culture. 
making sure my culture, I'm always doing that daily five sermon. And then the other thing, as far as the hiring part is I'm always training. I'm always improving my training systems. I'm working on creating training videos because kids today learn through repetition. You show them once or twice, they're not going to get it. You think they do, and they'll tell you they do. And then as soon as you walk away, they go back to old habits, or they don't remember quite what you did. And so they kind of make it up because they don't want to ask. They don't want to look embarrassed. They don't want to look stupid. If you have a training video that shows me step by step by step by step how to do it, it's so much, it's so much better for you. <clears throat> a lot of the mastermind groups I'm in about online marketing, things like that, I just watch the videos. I watch the video. I take a little section of it. I take some notes. I stop. I do it. Like when I'm doing Facebook ads, I'll, I'll listen to a video. All right. Oh, cool. Or, oh, hit that button, that button. Oh, don't put that button on it. I go back to my Facebook ads. I do what they say. And that's how I learn. I watch a little video. I apply. Watch a little video. I apply. That's how most people learn nowadays. You want to make sure you're doing it like that. Okay. If you're having trouble changing your habits, the problem isn't you. The problem is your system or you don't have a system. Bad habits repeat themselves again and again, not because you don't want to change, because you have the wrong system for change. Hashtag write this down. You do not rise to the level of your goals. You fall to the level of your systems. You don't rise to the level of your goals. You fall down to the level of your systems. So lesson number three in Atomic Habits is you want to build identity-based habits. In the Restaurant Accelerator program, we're in the pro level now. In the pro level, the first module there is all the mindset reset. And the biggest thing we talked about last week was identity. And identity is huge. The key to building long-lasting habits is focus on creating a new identity first. You have to become the person you want to be in the future. Another fantastic book is Dr. Benjamin Hardy, Be Your Future Self Now. I highly recommend that one too. Be Your Future Self is an awesome, awesome book. And he talks about presenting yourself and putting yourself and becoming that future person that you want to be, but becoming that person now, right? Your current behaviors are simply a reflection of your current identity. This is the truth. What you do now is a mirror image of the type of person you believe you are, either consciously or subconsciously. What are those subconscious beliefs called? We call them BS in coaching. What's BS in coaching? Belief systems right? <clears throat> so when you have a bunch of outdated belief systems, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve it. I don't know this. I'm not smart enough. Right? Who am I to do this? Who am I to take this on? You act in alignment with who you think you are. To change your behavior for good, you need to start believing new things about yourself. Remember, what I always do is when I have a limiting belief, the first thing I'll do is I'll confront it and I'll put my, I'll put it into, I always say, I'll, I'll put it in front of a court. And if I took that, like say, you know, I'm not good enough. Oh, is that true? I mean, I say, could I take that to court and could I prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was, that was fact? Most of the time, no, there's been times I've done really smart things. Yeah, there's been some times I've done some stupid shit, but most of the time I actually do pretty smart things. So it would not stand up in court that I'm a you know, total dumbass, right? So you got to make sure you're doing that. You need to build identity-based habits. Change your belief isn't nearly as hard as you might think. There's two steps. Number one, decide the type of person you want to be and then prove it to yourself with small wins. I talk about this a lot. 
And then there was someone I was talking to this morning and they were talking about, they smoke and they're trying to stop smoking. And I said, I can have you stop smoking today. And they said, how? I said, you just decide that you're not a smoker. When you said you're trying to stop smoking, you still define yourself. Your identity is you're still a smoker. But I was like, if someone walked up to me and said, would you like a cigarette? I don't smoke. I'm not a smoker. It's not an, op- it's not an option for me. It's just a definite no right away. Decide what you are and then be that. It's pretty simple on the surface. You just have to commit to the identity. If this person said, like, if I walked up to them and said, would you like a cigarette? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stop. They're giving themselves an out. Well, I'm trying to stop. But then they might say, oh, yeah, okay, just one, right? But if you say, oh, I don't smoke, okay. Would the person keep asking? Oh, come on, man, have one. No, I don't smoke. You know, as soon as you tell somebody you don't smoke, they say, all right, cool, it's off the table. Decide what you are and be that. And then again, prove it to yourself in small wins. Small wins are like, I didn't have a cigarette today. And then tomorrow, I didn't have a cigarette today. And then I didn't have a cigarette today, right? If you don't think of yourself as someone who is like lives a healthy lifestyle, well, you know, you know, I work out when I can. No, you got to say, all right, I'm the kind of person that's going to be committed to it, living a healthy lifestyle so I live longer for my family. I'm going to go to the gym today. I'm not going to plan out five days this week. I'm just going to commit. I'm going this morning. And do something that you love. I mean, Vicky loves yoga. You know, getting back to doing the stuff you love is important to your identity because people see you as a certain thing. Like, you know, hey, I go to, you know, I work out and I worked out this morning. You know, I did my meditation this morning. I did my mindset stuff this morning. Tomorrow, I'll approach it again fresh. But I do those things because that's part of my identity, who I am. And then your identity starts to emerge, basically comes out from your habits. Every action, every positive action, let me rephrase that, every positive action is a vote for the person that you wish to become. So when you go to the gym today, you're taking a step in the direction that you're becoming that person that goes and takes care of themselves. Eat a healthy meal today. You drink a gallon of water today. You're taking one step. It's one positive vote for the type of person you wish to become. A lot of people ask me, and I get all these, like, these consultants, man. You've written so many books, man. I'd love to write a book. I said, just write. Just become a writer. Oh, I just don't know how to write. Dude, I didn't know how to write. I just got down and just started writing and just talking from my heart about how I felt about restaurants. And stuff just pours out. Most of the time, I don't even really, I mean, a lot of times I type on my phone. But if I'm using the computer, I use Dragon Naturally Speaking. I'm talking. I'm just talking like I'm talking to you when I'm talking, when I'm doing my books. That's why I think my books kind of connect with people because they feel like, and I've had people say, I just felt like you were talking to me, telling, you know, you're talking directly to me. That's how I talk when I, when I, when I coach, when I write, it's how I talk to everybody. You just got to decide that's the kind of every step, every positive action is a vote for the person you want to be. And there's four simple, simple ways to build better habits and four simple steps. All right. Four simple steps. The process of building habits, remember, it's not the goal, it's the process. The process of building habits is four steps. There's what we call cue, craving, response, and reward, right? Breaking it down into the fundamental parts can help us understand what a habit is, how it works, and how to improve it. 
So when we talk about habits, it starts in the left-hand corner. It starts with the cue or the trigger. Like, um, I'll give you a great example. Uh, hitting the snooze button. Anybody have that habit, hitting the snooze button in the morning? All right? Yeah, Matt says, that's me. Yeah. Snooze button. So, so the cue is the alarm goes off. The craving is I want to sleep. I want to keep sleeping. I don't want to get up. Right. The response right there is decides what I do. Do I hit the snooze button or do I get up? And then the reward is I feel I get the reward I want because I get a little bit more sleep. The thing you want to do is you want to interact at the you want to interact when? What do you think is the number one spot you want to interact to change a habit? Cue, craving, response, or reward? Cue. Response. Yeah, it's one and three are the biggest ones. Remember, we talk about the success cycle where there's beliefs, potential, actions, and results. Same thing with the habit loop. Cue is basically when the alarm goes off, if I have the phone next to me where it's easy for me to have that, to, to kind of go with that craving, because the trigger hits the craving. So arm goes off, I'm like, oh shit, I don't want to get up. I want to hit the snooze button. That's my response, right? So the cue hits the response and then I hit the snooze button. Then I go back to sleep and then I oversleep or I don't you know, get my morning routine in. And then I feel bad for the rest of the day and I beat myself up, right? So what I do, and this is one thing I changed so I don't have this button. I used to be a habitual, I mean, habitual snooze button hitter. The one way I changed it was I moved my phone where it wasn't easy for me to get to. And this is actually something I learned from Mel Robbins from the five second rule. She moved her phone to the bathroom. So when the alarm goes off, she got to get her ass up to go hit the alarm. And then once you're up, right, now the craving is kind of like, well, I'm up now. I'm not really going to be able to go right back to bed because I'm up. Now you could hit the button and go back into bed. But if you're up, now the response is, what do I set myself up for success? And this is how I broke this habit. As I put the alarm in the bathroom, when I got up, the craving was to go right back to bed. But then I, I said my response was I put my workout clothes right on the bed. So then I got my workout clothes and I put them on right away. That was my response. So I basically got up, hit the, hit the alarm, put my workout clothes on right away. That was my new response. And then my reward was, you know what? I'm already dressed. Might as well just go to the gym. That's how you interrupt it. Right. The cue for the trigger, the cue triggers a craving, which motivates the response, which pro provides the reward, which satisfies the craving and ultimately becomes associated with the cue. So together, those four steps form what they call as a neurological feedback loop. Right. Feedback loops are what happens is like you do something, you get a response. And then it basically feeds it back and it creates a new habit. I'll give you a great example too for like young kids. Young kids at the grocery store. Young kid wants a piece of candy. Mom says you can't have candy. Kid throws himself down on the ground, has a really huge temper tantrums, yelling, screaming, making a scene. Mom gives in, gives the kid candy. What do you think the kid just learned? Hey, that works. You know, if I drop down and throw a tantrum, I'll get what I want. Right? <clears throat> It's also like same with dogs too. Animals are very Pavlovian in the sense that 
You know, you come in, you give the dog a treat. Every time you do something, dog expects a treat every time you do it. I am so guilty of this. It is, it is horrible. When, when I'm at Stacy's house, the dogs know when we go to bed, I'll say, you want to go to bed? And they run to bed because you know why they run to bed? Because they know I'm going to give them a treat when we get in the bedroom. And I give them a little treat and they get all happy about it. Now, when I'm not at her house, the dogs just go into the room and go to sleep because they know they're not going to get a treat from her. But they know with Donald, oh, my God, Donald's here. We're all excited about going to bed. And they run to the bedroom, and then they jump up on the bed, and they're like, oh, my God, let's get a treat. All right? It's conditioned response. Right? That's how all this stuff is formed. Cue craving response reward. Cue craving response reward. Interrupt the cue and the response. Change the reward and you'll change the habit. That's called the habit loop. You can transform these four steps into a practical framework that we use to design good habits and eliminate bad ones. So how do we change habits? There's four laws to behavioral change. Okay, four laws to behavior change. Number one, to create a good habit. Four laws. One, make it obvious. That's the cue. Make it an obvious cue. Number two, make it attractive. Number three, Make it easy. And number four, make it satisfying. Now, satisfying might be long-term satisfying. I know if I do this in the long run, it's going to make me a better person. It's going to make me healthier. It's going to make me more fit. Okay. So Q1, make it obvious. Alarm goes off. I move to my bathroom. So I have to get up. Number two, the craving, make it attractive. You know, if I work out, I'm going to feel so much better. I'm going to have more energy for the day. Number three, make it easy. Oh, you know what? My clothes are right there. My workout clothes, I put them on and then more make it satisfying. You know, after a workout, I feel so great. And then we use what's called inversion thinking to break a habit. How do you break a bad habit is you just basically invert it. You make, <laughs> you basically make the cue, you make it pretty invisible. Number two, you make the craving unattractive. Like you build it up in your head, like smoking is nasty. It's disgusting. I don't want to you know, look like, I don't want to smell like an ashtray, right? You make it difficult and you make it very, very unsatisfying. I'm going to throw these into the replay today. There's like these little cheat sheets that are really great. So like the first law, you make it obvious. You fill out the, a scorecard and you write down the current habit you want to be aware of. Then you use implementation intentions. I will blank at a time and location, use the habit stacking after, let's say, going to the gym, I will drink a protein shake or I will meditate. You want to start creating stacking new habits because this starts building that reward up. And then design your environment, make cues for good habits, obvious and visible. That's like putting out your workout clothes in a spot you can see it. Having like, I pack my gym bag at night. So that way in the morning, it's not a pain in the ass for me. I just grab my bag and go. You know, I try to set myself up for as much success as possible by having, like, I'll do my protein shakes for the gym, for, you know, for class. I'll put my towel in there. I put my headbands, you know, all my, like, all my, I wear, like, sometimes I wear, like, a knee guard because my knees sometimes sore. I'll have my knee wrap in there. I put all my stuff in my bag, so there's no reason for me not just to grab my bag and go in the morning. All right, so I make it super, super easy. I make it attractive. I use temptation bundling, a pair of actions that you want to do, but the actions you need to do, right? If I get to do this, then I give myself a little bit of reward towards the end, all right? 
Join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. That's why I like going to Orange Theory because I live, I work out with a bunch of people that are into that kind of lifestyle. I surround myself with the right kind of frame of people, right? Create a motivation ritual. Do something enjoyable before a difficult habit. Make it easy. Reduce friction. Decrease the number of steps between you and the good habit. Prime your environment. Prepare your environment to make a future action easier. Master the decisive moment. Optimize your small choices. Remember, 1% improvement. It's just small choices. 1%. I'm just going to do it today. I might not work out tomorrow, but today, you know what? I'm going to work out today. That's all I got to say. I just got to commit to today. I'm going to do it today. Right? Use the two-minute rule. This two-minute rule saved my life. If I have something I have to do and I can do it under two minutes, I do it right then. Especially like, you know, like, let's say like I want to text Vicky. Now I'm on a call right now. But let's say I was thinking about, oh, you know, like I, I got to remind Vicky to get up back on her one-on-one calls. And then I, instead of me writing it down, like, at, you know, if like between calls, I might think of it. Oh, you know, I got to text Vicky later. If it's a two-minute rule to me, it's like, you know, if I can do it in two minutes, I'll just do it right then. I'll just, go, hey, get on my calendar. It will save you so much anxiety if you just employ this two-minute rule, right? If I can just do it in two minutes, I just do it right then, right? And that comes from super easy stuff. He says, I organize everything the night before my yoga and gym, including my vitamins, coffee. Yeah, I, I org- my, my counter in my kitchen is like super organized with all my stuff. I got my vitamins there. I got my supplements. I got my protein powder. I got my bag ready. I just grab and go. Makes it so easy for you. And then automate your habits. Invest in technology. One-time purchase to lock in future stuff. That's why you guys are in a coaching program. You paid to be here. <laughs> you know, you have an investment in this. Make sure you're using your investment. Okay. That's why I like joining like, like Orange Theory. It's not free. I have to pay a membership fee. And the more I use it, the more economical it is because I'm on what they call a premier program where I have unlimited classes. But if I only went once a week, it would be very, very costly when I divide it down like four times a month by my, I think I pay 160 bucks a month for, for classes. If I only went four times a, a month, it would be a very, very expensive thing to really do. That's why I try to maximize it. And I go at least six days a week. All right. Make it satisfying. Use reinforcement. Give yourself immediate reward when you complete a habit. This could be like, hey, give yourself a pat in the back, giving yourself that a boy, helping each other out, getting credit from each other. Like if you got a partner that you work with, hey, I did this. Hey, that's awesome. I'm really proud of you. Reaching out into the mastermind group on the group chat. Hey, I just did this and this. That's awesome. You mean a lot of times when people do stuff in the group chat, you'll see a lot of people give positive reinforcement. That's awesome. So proud of you. Keep going. Right. Make doing nothing enjoyable, avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see the benefits. Use a habit tracker. Some of the habit trackers I like, there's one on, there's an app, bless you. There's an app on the iPhone. It's called Streaks. And I like Streaks a lot because Streaks allows me to track a habit. And every day I do it, it gives me points. And the goal is to string along of like 21 days of habits in a row or as long as you can without breaking the habit. <clears throat> Sometimes it's just as easy as just like wearing a rubber band or something on your wrist. And then when you do the habit, changing to the other hand the next day. And the goal is to always have that thing moving back and forth. There's lots of ways you can break habits or get streaks going. That streaks thing is actually, that's how 
everyone heard of Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian from Seinfeld? He said the reason he thinks he became such a, you know, a really, really high level, achieved a lot of success as a comedian is that he had a habit that he would write jokes every day and he would put it on his calendar every day he wrote jokes. And he said his goal was to keep stringing along as many days as he could without breaking the habit. There are tons of habits out there. Just put out their habit app or habit tracker. There's tons of habit trackers available on your phone that you can download that are super easy. I like the one called Streaks. It's a super easy one to use. And I used to do it when I started writing till it became a habit because it got me into that momentum. All right. Never miss twice. That's a rule you want to have for yourself. Never miss twice. When you forget to have a, to forget to do a habit, just make sure you get back on track immediately. Will you forget? Yes. Give yourself grace. I'm going to use Vicky's term. Give yourself grace. Get back on the horse the next day. Don't beat yourself up. We all in this group, we all tend to beat ourselves up pretty, pretty heavy. Trust me, no one beats yourself up more than you beat yourself up. <laughs> more than I beat you up. You guys beat yourself up so much. <clears throat> Give yourself a little grace and just realize that you can get on top of this stuff. Right? And then breaking a bad habit is just the opposite. Make it invisible. Reduce exposure. Remove cues from your bad habits from your environment. Make it unattractive. Reframe your mindset. Highlight the benefits of avoiding the bad habit. Make it difficult. Increase friction. Make it a lot of steps. Use a commitment device. Restrict your future choices to the ones that benefit you. Commitment devices, sometimes people will put like... Um, like if you have a habit with social media, there's actually social media blockers that will allow you only to have so much screen time on your phone. And then it, it blocks you out from those activities. Did you know that? It's called rescue time. Rescue time. I can put on my desktop rescue time and rescue time will actually, if I like on Facebook too much, it'll lock me out of Facebook until the next day. There's a lot of cool tools like that, right? Get an accountability partner. You got a whole group of people on the call right today that you could easily be accountability partners. A lot of you know each other personally. A lot of you have been to a lot of my seminars, my live workshops. You've been to Restaurant Owner Bootcamp. You've been to Success Summit. A lot of you know each other personally. Reach out, right? And create a habit contract. Make a contract. Now, when you make a habit contract, you want to actually type it out and then sign it and put it where you can see it. Remember, out of sight, out of mind. If I make a contract with myself, I put it where I can see it. Same thing for going and making a good habit. You want to commit to that 1% improvement thing? Make a poster that we're committed to 1% improvement every single day, and then have everybody sign it. In conclusion, use your tools to break habits and become more productive. You have plenty of tools to help you be more productive, right? When we talk about this, the brain dump. The brain dump is probably my favorite exercise to do. When I'm feeling overwhelmed, I get a piece of paper. I put everything out of my head, put it on paper. I brain dump everything. I take three color highlighters. I color coat everything on that piece of paper as either people, product, or process. Then I get another piece of paper and I make three columns, people, product, process. I take everything off that paper. I put it in the appropriate column. And then I just organize and prioritize it. And if you don't understand, like, well, I got a bunch of stuff on the people part. What should I prioritize? How do you prioritize the people part? Same thing as in the 3P framework. So when I put all my stuff on the people part, mindset, culture, training, and hiring. 
Mindset stuff's always first. Your mindset stuff's always first. Your self-care is always first. Your culture is always second. And then your hiring and training is always third in the people part. And when it comes to like, I don't know what to do in the product part, food costs, menu, marketing. If your food cost is good and your menu is good, then you focus on the marketing part. And then you just basically got to organize what do I need in the marketing part? Use your use the process maps you have. We all have marketing in the marketing modules, you have a process map. All right. Hey, what do I do in the what do I do for marketing? I don't know what to do, Donald. I'm, I'm just so overwhelmed. There's so much stuff in the marketing stuff. I don't know where to start. Look at the modules you have. <clears throat> all right. In the accelerator program and also in the mastermind group we have tons of stuff available right so if someone said to me i don't know where to start with marketing i say just look at your process maps you have for every course i teach has a process map right strap maps has a process map restaurant marketing machine has a process map when people say should i work on should i work on advertising have you gotten the ideal guest done? You got your message crafted. You got your positioning done. You know which things. You got your emotions of marketing down. You got your content creation. No, then don't worry about don't worry about funnels yet. Don't worry about advertising yet until you get this stuff done. Someone says, "I don't know how to organize my week." You know, I'm working on this five fifteen. Have you done your vision map? Have you done your three year map? Have you done a year map? You got your SWAT stuff done. Have you done your monthly map coming up? Every step. Of the way, there's always a process map. That's why I love teaching like this because it shows you exactly whenever you're stuck, whenever you're lost, just look at where did I where did I slip up? My culture's not working right. All right, where is it? Is it it's not the buy-in? It's probably because I don't have the standards code and the core value mission card down right, or maybe I don't even have my wide, you know, my vision statement down enough. There is always always a reason my food cost is all jacked up you use a 40 thieves food cost how's your inventory you got your prep under control you got your batch recipes plate recipes do you understand your theoretical food cost a lot of times people will put down their product stuff and say i need to do menu engineering well you can't do menu engineering until you get your food cost figured out doesn't work like that you always have a process map Thanks for listening to the Restaurant Coach Podcast with Donald Burns. Tune in next time as we serve up more ways to maximize your potential. Visit our website at www.therestaurantcoach.com or download episodes at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify.